It is worthwhile to keep looking for answers, even if everyone else has given up. He's again has a successful agency, Simplice, and now they've launched a SaaS product, User Brain. They're in that beautiful moment of kind of deciding where focus is going, what's growing. Uh, but you know, it sounds like a really sharp team. They've stayed small and lean and fully in control, which I like. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Stefan Rossler. He's the co-founder of UserBrain and Simplease. And he started working with his other three co-founders, Andreas, Marcus, and Matthias, back in 2009 when they were studying information design in Graz, Austria. He teaches user experience, usability, and design to students and clients and gives talks on many of these topics. Stefan, are you ready to take us to the top? <laughs> I don't know. I'm ready, yes. Good. Uh, let's start. So what's your main focus? Is it, is it Simplease or UserBrain? Main focus is still uh, Simplice at the moment. This is how we started the whole thing. And with Simplice, we got into this whole field of user experience about almost 10 years ago, because we figured that this is going to be more important in the future, I guess. Uh, and from starting with um, working together with clients, we realized that as, as long as we work together with them with Simplice, which is a kind of a UX consultancy company, uh, they're doing really fine. They're doing all the user testing, they're doing all of this stuff uh, and they get feedback. Uh, but, so we realized that there's a problem because as soon as we leave them, they stop doing all the testing altogether. So we kind of need a, a, a solution for this problem. And that's when we came up with the idea for user brain, which is maybe was like five or six years ago. So we discovered it pretty early on. Uh, and I think three years ago, we within one week, we just launched a kind of a minimal viable product for user brain. And since then, we're kind of like having it by the side and trying to, um, um, yeah, to get more insights on it and see how to improve the product and how to do all of this. But the main focus so for me personally at this very moment is uh, Simplice. Um, but we're kind of shifting it over to, to user brain. Yeah, so, so, uh, why, so why haven't you gone all in? Is it like a confidence thing? I mean, a lot of SaaS companies, they start as agencies and they'll grow out to yeah. their agency to a million, two million, five million, even bigger. And then they see the SaaS opportunity, which is much higher margin, much lower stress. And frankly, if you want to grow it, you can get a much higher multiple. So why have you not gone all in on user brain? Is it much lower stress? Not sure on this. <laughs> so I think that's well, the, you're not dealing with clients one on one, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with dealing people one on one, and it's kind of, I think it's 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 hard to maybe maybe it's a kind of the risk thing because if you're dealing with people one on one, you can kind of look them in the eye and you can see you can see what's going on. You can talk about things, and if you if you scale it up to a uh, to a size where you, you I don't know you're handling thousands, millions of people. It could be getting out of hand and I want to go there uh, with some confidence. So, and as I, uh, as I told you, the, the user brain things, the startup is really uh, kind of an expression of Simplice or kind of a second version of it. And we want to go there eventually. Uh, but, but it's a SaaS play, it's a pure play SaaS play, very different business models. It's a completely different business model, but it's the exactly the same kind of people uh, buying for it, paying for it. So we want to make sure to understand these people on a kind of, on a level that's not just based on, the current product we have, 
but on the space, the problem space that those people are experiencing, because as you know, from SaaS, SaaS businesses and all of this stuff, their products could be shifting a lot. So kind of like going into this direction, that direction. Uh, and I want to make sure that we really understand those people before yeah. we kind of do like something that's... Yeah, I so I want to focus on user brain uh, for this call because okay. it's, it's mainly SaaS on the show, but I want to first understand kind of the, where the agency's at. So when did you launch the agency? And can you give me a sense today of generally how big you are? Are you like a million, five million, 10 million, a range? <laughs> uh, we started around 10 years ago to working together and I think we founded the company officially in 2010. Okay. Um, and so to give you kind of a feeling for the size, we started four people. So four people met in, in university and we kind of do that each of each of us has kind of the same share of the company and it's still the four people of us. And we're thinking about uh, hiring our first, uh, our first person uh, in March and she's with us for, with us for a few months already. Uh, and we tried some different interns and all of this, but we're, I don't know, 10 years ago, we kind of sat together and said, well, let's try to keep this as small as possible for as long as possible. So are you, are so you less really, than a million in revenue in the agency? I don't know, not really the numbers guys. So that's a bit of a problem, but. Oh, come uh, on, Stefan, you don't know, you're a founder in a company. You don't know the revenue. I don't believe you for two seconds. I've actually been in an economy school for six years and I don't even know how to. You know, maybe that's interesting for you, but what what I know is the, the monthly salary I get. That's so all you my, focus on. I'm not really, I'm not interested in, in, num in numbers actually. So I just don't think people listening are going to believe that a guy that owns 25% of a company has no idea what the revenue of the company is. Yeah, maybe they have a wrong impression of, of, how, I'm, of how I'm doing stuff. So, so you're not really like, an owner, you're like an employee. I am an owner, but I... Uh, I entrust the others with the numbers and all of this stuff and then focusing more on people. So, yeah. Well, you're a teacher, right? So, I mean, this makes sense yeah. that you focus on people. You probably have patience like nobody else has. I have a lot of patience. People sometimes try to uh, get me, get me on the hook or something, but then after a few hours, they usually give up and see that this just doesn't work. Yeah. So, so, so going into user brain now, um, so you launch it because you understand it's going to help your customers have more success on the agency side because they'll keep using you. They'll, they'll at least get some value if they stop using you on the agency side or even when they are using you on the agency side. On the user brain side, let's shift kind of the, the, the focus now. How do you think about the, the utility metrics you price around in that company? What do you mean with, with what I'm thinking about? Um, so, so in user brain, how does the pricing work? What, what, what do people oh, a, pay? Okay. It's a fairly simple pricing, so it starts at forty nine dollars uh, per month. Okay. Uh, so, it, and we really we wanted to make something that's look like this very typical uh, SaaS business. So that's very important for us. And so, at the moment, it's really kind of figuring out how many features can we put into user brain, how many features do we have to put in there to still be like this typical SaaS priced uh, product. Because that's kind of like what we want is something that's easy to sell, something where if a customer, for example, kind of complains about something, you just transfer the money back to their account. No problem there. Not unlike in the consultancy business where you're like, oh, no, client has a problem. So you really have to focus because it's a big project and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's like this very typical SaaS product. And just to give you a, a bit of an understanding of where it's coming from, we're very inspired, at least especially me personally, from 37 Signals, Jason Fried, David Hanemeyer, so they were doing things. Uh, and the whole the whole story about Basecamp. So I think like five or six years ago, we just said, well, we don't want to be in the client business forever because yes, it can be stressful. Uh, we want to go to the SaaS business. But since we have it for three years now on the side, we realize, well, it's stressful too. So we, it's- What do you find gonna, most stressful gonna, about it? Uh, for me personally, to have so many people there, uh, so many so many people involved and- How many people is, are involved? 
yeah, a lot of people we have uh, testers and, and and customers buying it and all of this stuff. So like this, this all these people. But for me, the big problem is this: you want to build something and scale it up. So which is perfectly fine and everything, and it makes sense in my mind if I think about it. But the problem with this is as soon as something really big is happening on the market, you kind of like maybe just destroys our whole company. Where on the other hand, in the consultancy business, we are using our minds so nothing can ever happen to us if we're smart about making decisions and we're kind of like moving one step at a time. So this is- Yeah, but Stefan, agency revenue is way chunkier than SaaS revenue. If you're building a SaaS company the right way, way chunkier. Yeah, you mean chunkier uh, so that you cannot really predict the- Yeah, super. You have to hunt. I mean, you probably have clients in your agency that make up one client makes up more than 10, 20% of your revenue. You you know, you lose, you know, I've worked with 10, $20 million agencies before. They lose that one client. They're laying off a bunch of people, right? Or what they do is they get scared and then they only sign up, you know, clients on a $5,000 retainer, which is really difficult to scale your, your, I mean, it's hard to scale at that price point. Yeah. So why true. do you feel, how many, tell me, tell me the numbers. How many people are involved at, at UserBrain? What's the team size? It's just, we are the exactly same people. So it's the same four people uh, and we are running the UserBrain business and yeah. And, and what have you scaled just that, not your agency, but just UserBrain? How many customers have you scaled that to? Oh, can you ask me about numbers? I'm a, one number I can tell you is, uh, because we talked about this recently is, I don't know, do you understand how UserBrain works or what it, what it is in detail? No, I think maybe describe it. Yeah, because it's uh, for ongoing remote user testing. So what it means is because we discovered that the single most effective way to improve your product or your service is to observe real people using it. Full stop. So that's kind of like uh, the most important thing. And the more we can increase the user exposure hours, the better it is. So that's how the whole user brain uh, uh, business works. And so obviously we need some people around the world testing the service. Uh, and I think just a week ago we hit 10,000, so 10,000 people around the world who are who are testing with UserBrain, and I don't know. That's that's one number I know, and I know that we in the beginning we had this idea that we want to make make it possible for people to kind of like make a living from being a UserBrain tester. So those are kind of like numbers that are important for us. And another number that's important that I is important for me personally also is the number of user exposure hours one of our customers gets. So how many minutes of videos do they actually watch people really using their product? And not just reading feedback from people, not just reading people being uh, excited or positive on Twitter or on social media or anything, but really watching real people in the moment of using their product and seeing whether they're delighted or frustrated. So or, if you care most yeah. about these users, these 10,000 user testers being able to make a living off your product, right? They obviously have to have income to make a living off of it. Do you, do you know the number over the past 12 months, how much you've paid out to all your testers? No, I don't know that. Number, so how would you, if that's the number one thing for you, how do you, I don't understand how you don't know that number. As I said in the beginning, main focus is on simplicity, not on user brand. So, and this is a number that we want to keep increasing and so on. Uh, but it's something it's not really important to measure this number at this point because we're... Stefan, you uh, just said it's the number one thing for you. It's, I said that in the beginning, this was the main idea to have people making the whole income from doing user brain tests. At the moment, what we realize is that it's not really possible at this very moment because people, Why? so also customers, they want to test with different users and so on. And at the moment, we're kind of a, a juncture point where we, we're thinking about, well... <laughs> should we start going into this direction or not? Because many customers are asking for uh, kind of like targeting options. So do you want to target very specific people? Um, which makes a lot of sense, especially from a marketing perspective. But as we've learned from the usability perspective and UX perspective, it's oftentimes not really important 
who you're testing with. Why is it uh, important and, who you're testing with? You want to most closely match the demographic who's going to be using your tool when you find the tester. How is that not that's important? That's the obvious thing, and, 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 and everyone is talking about this. Uh, I mean, the first time we, we were thinking about it really was by reading Steve Krug. So he's kind of like the web usability guy. Uh, and he had made this comment about that people are not aware of how it's actually not really important who you're testing with, especially on the web, because anyone can land on your website. And if you target people by demographics, you're kind of like, you're going to fall for the yeah, illusion but Stephen, of, well, he fits my demographic. But that's still, that argument. Mean- that argument only works if you're trying to have everyone as a customer. If you know that you're targeting CMOs in the United States, why would you care about someone user testing in Europe who is an intern at a private equity firm? You, you would have no uh, interest in that. Yeah, I understand that because it's about basic human behavior and how people understand stuff. And I know as soon as you start doing marketing, testing and so on, it's it's going to be important to have the, real, the, the right cohort and anything and the real demographics and so. But we're really testing of whether things are understandable and whether people can use it, whether they can find the information and so on. And it's actually surprising how, how much you can do with um, writing a good scenario, which you give to testers. Imagine you want to do this and that uh, and so on and so forth. And I'm just... Because our main focus for user brain is we're really focusing on startups in the US or SaaS businesses actually. So that's the main focus. They have something web-based or if at least their marketing website and customers are, for example, uh, um, Spotify is one of them or Lush Cosmetics. And we, what we're trying to do then is really get on the phone with those people and try to talk to them for an hour or something like this to find out why have they switched to our product? What is the reason why they're doing all of this? And what we realize is that those companies that are really, I want to say that those that are going to be big in the future are those that are not focusing on a very specific target audience, but those that say, well, our product is so that's, that's us, that's our product, and we're gonna, we want to sell it to everyone. Yeah, so just to and be clear, you're not focusing on B2B SaaS companies. You're focusing on consumer products like Spotify, apps that everyone's going to use. That's a very different market than someone that's just selling a B2B SaaS product. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes, okay. also with B2B, of course, you're, you're talking to people. So it's, it's always business to people, actually. Um, but if the business that you, so is B2B, and if, you, if you're doing something very specific, I don't know, for an for a professional architect or something where they need some very special knowledge about the product, then it's not going to work user brain service. But the thing is, this was kind of a trade-off because we said, well, it's much more important to get this user exposure out, to really get uh, watch a lot of people. And so we're focusing on those uh, um, companies that fit our uh, our market. Yeah, they're consumer companies. They sell a consumer product. Mainly consumer products or easier to understand business products or new business products because usually it. it's just those with a history that don't really No, I, to- I totally, I misunderstood you in the beginning when we were talking about targeting. I thought you were selling to B2B SaaS companies. You are selling to consumer, you're selling to software companies that sell to consumers so that they can, no, you, they can watch the, the test. Yes, they can watch the testing hours across as many people as possible all around the world. Can you give me a general right. sense of the size of that? I mean, you've been doing it though for three years. I mean, do you know how many customers you have? Do you know any numbers on the business at all? I think, um, yeah, I know, I know a few of, a uh, few numbers, but um, I think at the moment it's in the US that there are around uh, um, it's somewhere between 50 and 100 I'm not sure about the exact number because it's, it's usually um, going like this um, that fit exactly the target audience because that's the number you I'm mean 50, 50 to 100 customers yeah okay that are, that are going into this direction so that's the main thing and that's also the reason why we, that's what I wanted, what I tried to say uh, from the beginning on, we want to make, uh, the, I mean, I know it's kind of like the opposite of what most people are doing. 
but really understand this whole thing and not not scale it up too fast because at the moment we're kind of like building up barriers also uh with our sign up page uh, we're doing this that it's not there's no free month no tr free trial and something like this it's yeah Simon, i don't think by the way i don't think it. you're just being in you mean i don't think it's opposite of what everyone's doing you're just being intentional i think that's totally fine uh i, I mean you're just being really intentional about it, which is great but i mean if i do the math so 50 customers at a minimum price of 50 bucks i mean you guys are doing like it's doing a couple grand a month it's it's not like it's you're not north of you know call it 30 grand a month in revenue correct Oh, enough of that, but anyway. yeah. So, 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 I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I'm interested in, right? There, that space, you can build a meaningful, impactful company. And you look at usertesting.com. I think you're probably way better than them because it sounds like you've, you've, you, you just have a better interface and you're doing this better. And the guys at Product Hunt love you and Spotify's using you. But like, it's never going to grow to the extent that you could in terms of having a huge impact if you're also managing an agency on the side. I know. So, like, how do you, in your brain, how do you deal with that war? It's not really a war in my brain. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a practical uh, problem, I suppose. Um, but the most important thing is when I think about work, it's like, and I know that this is different a lot, very different to a lot of people in this field. I'm thinking about work is like making the dishes. So you want to make sure that everything is set, that you're, you're doing good. Uh, you don't want to, you don't have to worry about money. You don't, you're not investing all of your time into this because it's just something, it's just a part of your life. So it's just, so it's not really a war inside my head, but it's a practical issue and it's something uh, we're working on. And, but really the important thing is uh, we don't want to lose control of all of this stuff. So we're talk, thinking about investors talking to some, uh, and it's really something where this is possible. We could do that. Well, you can, but you can don't have to raise capital. You could bootstrap this. Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Um, but as you said, the intentional is, is actually a very good word. We should start using it internally. Also, this is really about being intentional, uh, and it's very important that you are you are the person who can make decisions. Um, and so, for me, there is no real war between the two of them. It's not really an issue because I don't have stress with this. It doesn't have to be at whatever. Yeah, number. yeah, no, no. I, I, it's not about stress or worry, but you only have 24 hours in the day. You're either doing agency work or you're doing user brain work. And they're two separate things. You've told me they're two very separate things. What I'm hearing you say is you have a very safe living and a very safe income from the agency. And it's and you don't have the risk appetite to give that up to go all in on the software. None of you guys, none of the four founders do. That's what I'm hearing you say. You're hedging, you're hedging you mean, the risk. You mean we're not, we're not forced to go not in? Forced, not forced. You don't, you don't believe in the user brain concept enough to go all in on it. You want the agency there as a safety net. I'm not sure if this, was this a bit flawed now? I don't, I'm not sure if it's, if this implies that we don't believe in it. I'm not sure about this. Uh, I mean, yes, we don't, we don't have the, uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I'm not really that good in English to kind of like have to use oh, the I right think, expressions. I think you, you're, do, you're doing great. Thank you, by the way, for doing it in English because me speaking Austrian would be not good. <laughs> we, could do, we could try this next time. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I'm hit. The reason I'm asking these questions, so I, I think there's a lot of people in your shoes. They start off with professional services, consulting. Yeah. They grow it to a healthy business. They make a healthy salary. They see a software idea but they don't go all in because they have a really safe 100 grand, 150 grand, 200 grand a year salary from the agency. And the most successful SaaS companies I've ever seen 
all came out of agencies. Qualtrics with Ryan Smith, uh, Ryan Holmes at Hootsuite. I mean, the, the most successful SaaS companies started as, as agencies. So I'm always curious to understand at that pivotal moment why and when agency owners make the decision to go or not to go all in on SaaS. So that's why I'm pushing you here. I'll let you know once this part does happen. I all guess. right, good. Let's uh, because I can we can we can philosophize about this now for a few minutes, but I can't really answer it. So. That's okay. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's the last business book that you read? <sighs> last business book I was reading, um, or any book, any book. Uh, so the, the most my my favorite book is Freedom by Jeremy Griff. So that's Jeremy the, Griff. That's my favorite. Jeremy Griffith, but that's not a business book. That's okay. It's a, a personal interest. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying there in Austria? In Austria? Not really, but uh, following. So the CEO I'm following is actually, if I'm thinking about it, it's Jason Fried. So he's a huge inspiration. has always been in my whole, because I didn't really understand all of this 10 years ago. And he and his company and the writings that did really helped me getting into the, the mindset of all of this into getting a grip on it. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? For building a business, my favorite online tool. For building what do you What do you use the most? I'm also not the person using all of the tools, but I think uh, I guess Mailchimp is very important to us. Okay, number four. How many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Around eight. That's good. And what's your situation? Married, single? You have kids? Single at the moment. Okay, no kiddos that you know of. <laughs> no kiddos I know of. All right, and Stefan, how old are you? Uh, 32. 32. Okay. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh-huh. What I wish my 20 year old self knew, um, that it's worthwhile to, to keep, to keep searching for the answers, uh, and that you should not give up guys. There Even you if everyone else did. <laughs> there you guys have from Stefan. It is worthwhile to keep looking for answers, even if everyone else has given up. He's again, has a successful agency, Simplice, and now they've launched a SaaS product, user brain. They're in that beautiful moment of kind of deciding where focus is going, what's growing. Uh, but you know, it sounds like a really sharp team. They've stayed small and lean and fully in control, which I like. Stefan, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you very much for the interview. <laughs>